The Mokavians of Chicago have always held true to the Camarilla, no matter who has been the prince, but they have not always had a seat on the primogen. Not too surprising perhaps, as up until a few years back they were barely even united, a ragtag group of individuals living on the fringe of kindred society, and for all sense and purposes, believing themselves to be a family. The former matriarch of this family, and the sire of the clan's current head, Jason, son Newbury, was Maureen O'Leary, a suicidal woman embraced as a cruel prank, who nonetheless remained a kindred for nearly 200 years before she finally passed on. Maureen was the one who founded the family of Malkavians, and was also the source of the 1871 fire that ravaged Chicago and which aided the infamous Loden in claiming Chicago for his own, driving out the previous Prince Maxwell. Maureen embraced three childer over the span of about a hundred years, Paula Smith, Ben Smith, and Jason Newberry, mother, father, and son. Of course, none of them were actually related, and Jason was in fact older than the other two combined and Maureen's first child. Born the son of an affluent family in the late 1800s, Jason Newberry was different from an early age. He would torture insects for fun, often seeing how long he could draw out their suffering before they died, and eventually he would turn his attention to more complex creatures, cats and dogs, and then finally humans. In school he would find ways to play mind games with his fellow students, all of which culminated in Jason taking out another child's eye with a sharpened stick. None of this seemingly bothered the young man any, and he apparently found violence and pain objects of fascination. His parents, worried that their child would face time in prison, or worse, for his deviant behavior, had him committed to a mental institution far away from his home. There he would encounter Maureen, who stalked its dreary corridors, and she took a personal interest in the sadistic young man, nurturing his violent tendencies and encouraging him to look deeper into the abyss to find his true calling. Her interest paid off as during a home visit Jason would set both of his parents on fire, burning them alive and Maureen simply could not contain herself. She embraced him there and then, and Jason's first feeding was from his dying mother as his father's charred corpse lay next to them. Because Maureen O'Leary had, unwittingly, aided Loden in his claim of dominion over Chicago, he allowed for the young fledgling to remain in the city, even referring to Jason by gift as his own private nickname for the young man. Jason, or son as he now preferred to be called, would keep a relatively low profile for the next 100 years or so, although his preferred method of hunting would consistently walk the edge of tolerable amongst the kindred would it come to light. Indeed, with his newfound powers, Jason had devised a little game for himself where he would go out and search for a pair of young lovers, bring them to his haven, feed on one of them, and then use his power of dominate to convince that one that they had become a vampire, and that they had to feed on their lover. Once they had done so, he would once more ensorcel them, making them unable to ever speak of what had happened. Thankfully for Sun, no one ever became any wiser to this game that he was playing, and in the 60s, while feeding from a young bass guitarist, Sun was surprised to find that the young man, Evan Klein, suddenly manifested a second personality, a police officer who tried to arrest him. Amused by the shattered identity of Evan Klein, Son petitioned Loden for the permission to embrace the young man, and was granted it as Loden, having just seen a massive success against the Anarchs, was flush with power and satisfaction. Son would spend quite some time with Evan, poking and prodding to see what he could unveil from his child's shattered psyche, 
but eventually the two grew apart as the sire would find himself a new game to play that, compared to his previous method of hunting, raised both the stakes and the rewards substantially. In the mid-1980s, during the chaos and commotion of another conflict between Loden and the Anarchs, Sun would drink the blood of a caitiff, diabolizing the poor soul and developing a thirst for more of it. He would begin imagining what it would be like to feed from his parents, Paula and Ben, who he had only considered objects of his own amusement at best. During the Lupine attack in the 1990s, both Paula and Ben went missing, presumably killed by the Lupines. But it is also quite possible that Sun had found the perfect opportunity for his new thirst to be slaked. Likewise, during the sudden and brutal war with the Lupines that erupted, Sun would come across another caitiff, Neon, a friend of Damien's. Sun offered Neon protection from the Lupines and brought him to his haven, having the 17-year-old strip and give him clothes so that the Lupines wouldn't catch his scent. Once he had disposed of the clothes, Sun used his power of obfuscate to disguise himself as one of the werewolves, chaining the horrified young caitiff to the floor and proceeding to slowly and torturously chew parts of his body off, consuming his vitae and keeping Neon alive by bringing him mortals to feed from. He drew this out over several nights until finally he slaked his thirst on the caitiff's undead heart, tearing it out from his chest and dropping his disguise while doing so. No one but Sun knows what happens to Neon, and he would have it no other way. This cruelty would manifest itself again and again, as Sun's grasp of his own humanity would continue to slip with each dark perversion. Still retaining some control over those mortals he had played with, Sun has also made it into a fun sport to interfere with local political affairs. One common target for his abuse is Horatio Ballard, one of Lodin's childer, whom Sun has blackmailed extensively over the years. While it began with innocuous inconveniences, such as putting a photo of himself in a local newspaper, it has slowly increased to the point where Ballard would suffer horrendous shame and humiliation should the other kindred of Chicago find out. Eventually, around the turn of the century, Sun's thirst for diablerie would rise once more as he began to plot to drain his own sire, Maureen O'Leary, who consistently complained about her inability to end her own life. He proceeded to drink from her to the point where he would only need to draw out her heart's blood for the deed to be done, yet at this point she pleaded for him to stop, and struck by a unique and wholly new experience of sudden remorse, Sun paused for only a second which was all Marie needed to pass on to the afterlife, her soul safe from his hunger. Son volunteered to take the place of his missing sire on the Primogen Council, and while the support for him wasn't overwhelming, neither were there much of an opposition, and to most of the kindred of Chicago, the young man was the model of politeness and good behavior. Indeed, while Son's internal darkness never seemed to stop consuming him, outwardly he retained a good-humored and polite persona. Sun has no interest in stopping his diablerie, and while he can keep his thirst at bay, much thanks to his long experience of subduing his more violent tendencies, he fears that he will be found out. Thus, when the La Sombra sent delegates to Chicago to petition the city for a place within the Camarilla, Sun would find himself suddenly struck by great fear that their other objective would be to reveal his dark secrets. Indeed, during one of the times he committed the Amaranth, Sun had been found by a pack of Sabbat Canines, who eagerly encouraged him to finish the deed, and ever since, Jason has been worried that this would come back to haunt him. This fear would grip Sun to the point where he would travel to Gary, Indiana, disguised as one Frank Gohan, to recruit some unwitting stooges to wipe the Lysandra delegates out. 
Unfortunately for Sun, this attempt failed, and despite his loud protests, Prince Jackson would welcome the former heart of the Sabbat into the Ivory Tower. Sierra Von Buris, the surviving La Sombra delegate, knew enough to realize that she would have an enemy in Sun, and thus spent a significant amount of money and time to try to dig up any dirt on the Malkavian she could find. Indeed, as it stands, both Clan La Sombra and Malkavian are poised at each other's throats. Aside from Sun, both Bronwyn and Alexa Santos hold position of power within the city, and may be the first victims to the Magister's ambitions. Sun has ambitions for the city, even hoping to one day become prince himself, but he lacks the business acumen and influence that would help secure him such a position. While his blackmailing skills are vast, he finds himself a beginner in other fields, and his only territory is his old family home, as well as Lakeshore Hospital and Chicago Reed Mental Health Center, hunting grounds he inherited from his dead sire. While Jason can find many potential allies in these locations, they rarely carry the influence that will help him politically, neither among the kind nor the kindred. Lately, and perhaps similar to how his old sire would act in the years before her disappearance, Sun has taken it upon himself to act as the city's welcoming committee. He will often be quite outspoken and welcoming to neonates fresh off the bus, so to speak, and while it occasionally happens that one or two go missing, well, Chicago is a big, dangerous city, and its kindred population has far more important matters to worry about than some errant whelps going missing. At least, for now. This video was brought to you by my patron Lauren Eason, with whose support I have been able to focus more on my content. I hope you enjoyed this video on Chicago's most twisted kindred, and thank you for your support.